Father, thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Your word, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Your word that helps keep us on our path, Lord. Your word that is inspired, Father, that has lasted centuries, Father, that has been misused, has been abused, has been burnt, but yet your word is here today, living, powerful, and Lord, it's our privilege and opportunity to open it up, to ponder, to soak in, to meditate upon it day and night. So Lord, I thank you for this time and privilege to stand here with my brothers and sisters and opening up this word to you. In Jesus' precious, wonderful, glorious, holy name, amen. As you know, we've been in Philippians for the past month or so, and when pastor asked me to help, uh, to do with Philippians, and I said, yes, but I would, I would like the one that says, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. I said, so I want the one that has that section in it, because that became a section that I remembered and needed to remember, and it became one that I put in my heart so that if I didn't have my Bible with me and I need it, and if I was in a situation where it was like it was not a good place to be thinking lovely and right and all that good stuff, that I would be able to. And one of the times when I worked up at the high school, I retired and I've been out of the high school seven years now. About 10 years ago, there was a a very famous saying. The kids would come and you'd give them something to do or they'll be sitting there and say, whatever, whatever, Mrs. Warden, whatever. That was their famous words back then. It used to be duh or what other things, but back then you'd ask them to do something and it'd be whatever. And I'd say, wow, Josh, that's a great thing to think about. Whatever. I said, I'd like to have you think about whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is good. I said, yes, you got it right on. Think about whatever. And they look at me and go, okay, Mrs. Warden. <laughs> so I got to use that in, in, when I was up at the high school. Um, so we are now coming to the closing of Paul. We're at the end of his letter. And I just would like to recap a little bit. Chapter 1, he starts off, he's thanking God. He's saying, thank you. And he's saying, I have confidence. I have confidence in my people that I'm writing to. He's writing to his church in, the, uh, in Philippi. He's writing to the, to the Philippians. And he's saying, I have confidence. He's looking out and saying, I have confidence in all of you that God is going to complete what he has started in you. You know what, Mike? I know God's going to complete it. And Dave and Kim, and he, he knows all of them. Because this church was his baby. He started, he birthed this church. So he knows these people, and he's looking, he's not looking at him. Excuse me, he's not looking at him. He's looking at him in his mind because he's in prison. So he's remembering, he's closing his eyes, and he's saying, I have confidence that God who started this work in you, he's going to finish it. So this is how he starts his letter off. So positive, so like he's going to keep it in you until the day of Christ Jesus. So that's how he starts this letter, his love for his people. He's building up and saying, I love you. I love you. And please remember these things I bring to you. And whatever happens, he says, whatever happens in your life, whatever happens around you, conduct yourself worthy. Conduct yourself. Whatever happens around you, conduct yourself worthy for the gospel. 
And he says, he emphasizes also in the beginning, he says, unity, coming together. He, unity and love and steadfastness are his message. Come together. We can only do this by coming together. So, um, and then uh, further in the letter, he says, and he says, I, it doesn't bother me to say this again, but I'm going to tell you again. I want you to rejoice. Rejoice always. Because I want you, and then he goes on about taking a safeguard. He tells him, you've got to guard yourself. There's wolves out there. There's enemies out there. Please guard yourself. Rejoice and guard yourself. And remember, he's in prison. He's in prison writing this to these, his congregation that he loves so much. So that's how he starts off. And then into this chapter, he says, he says to them, stand. I want you to be stand firm. And, he, and um, if you remember, this letter came to him. He, in Acts, it tells us this came to him because of a vision that somebody else had to please send him. So, you know, Pastor had talked about prompting. You know, sometimes the Lord prompts you to do something. He'll put something in your head. Well, this came to Paul. He was prompted to go there. And so that's how that all started. And uh, the word joy and rejoice appears about 16 times in this letter. So that gives you a hint that that's pretty important to him. It comes up in this letter. 16, okay? And also, Paul also mentions the Savior's name 40 times in this small epistle. So he mentions it. So um, I have been soaking in Philippians. I told Adrian this morning, I go to sleep listening to Philippians. I get up listening to Philippians. I told Pastor, I really, Philippians, I feel Paul's my friend. So I'm bringing you a message from my friend. This is from my friend Paul to his church. And so I've gotten to know Paul pretty good. He's, let me tell you, he is somebody I would have never been friends with. Nope. If Paul, if somebody came to me today and said, Paul's going to be your friend, I would say, I would be like Ananias. Lord, do you realize who this Paul is? Do you realize that was his passion in life to persecute people who believed in you? I would say, Lord, are you sure? And the Lord would say, trust me. I will use who I will use. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So, um, I'm going to read to you Philippians 1.9. You can follow in your Bible if you want, or you can just listen. And then um, Richard's going to come up and read it to you out of the message. Because this is a love letter. And this is a love letter, and Richard's going to come up and read it from the Message Bible, because the Message Bible is the closest thing I could find to a love letter. But I will read it to you out of the New American Standard. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in, the, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge you, Odeus, and, no, yeah, I urge you, Odeus, and Seneca to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. Together with Clement, also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your thanksgiving be made known. Uh, Request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Dwell on them. Okay. The things you have learned, received, heard, seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So... Here he's giving just this, he's laying it down. He's saying, here's some things I want you to practice. So he's talking to them about joy, and, um, and, he's, and then he talks to them about standing firm. And I wanted to read, there was another place, in, um, he's talking about standing firm in his letter to the Ephesians, which we all know it as putting on the full armor, Ephesians text to uh, 10 through 20. He gives full de- uh, de- detail of how to stand firm. And I would like to quote Ephesians 6.10 here from the Amplified Bible because it really spoke to me about standing firm. So this is Ephesians 6.10 from the Amplified. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your unity with him. Draw your strength from him. That strength with which his boundless might provides. So folks... There's only one way we can stand firm. All around is sinking sand when they sang that song, but on Jesus Christ, the solid rock I stand. This is the only way we can stand firm. Ephesians, he gives us an outline. Ephesians, this is going to help you. He isn't saying, you better do this or you're going to go to hell. He's saying, do this because we need all the help we can get. We can't do it on our own. Debbie Worthen, you cannot do it on our own. You better take up that full armor. And then he goes into Ephesians, and he tells us, he says, I want you to practice these things. Um, so now what I'd like you to do is I, when Richard comes up here, come on up, Richard, please. Here's, you can use this mic. I'd like you to close your eyes and just listen and just receive this, that Paul is writing, and you're receiving this love letter from Paul. So just go ahead and close your eyes and listen. Take it in. My dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Pray about everything. I urge Eudea and Sintai to iron out their differences and make up. I ask you from heaven to help these women. They worked with Clement and the others whose names are written in the book of life, to spread the good news. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all that you meet that you're on their side, working with them. Don't fret. Don't worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness and everything coming together for the good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Jesus Christ replaces worry. And now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Put into practice what you have learned from me. 
what you have heard, what you have seen, and what you have realized. Do that. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May we put it in our hearts, Lord. May we write it down. May we write these things down that you want to put in our heart today. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm going to throw this in just... I talked to a pastor's wife last week, and I once heard this, uh, um, this pastor saying, you know, we come, to the, we come and we hear, we hear what the speaker has to say, and, and I have to be honest with you, there are sometimes that somebody will say, well, what was your message on? And I say, Lord, forgive me, because I can't remember. I'll, I'll leave the next day, or I'll go out the door, and it's like, my sister will say, well, what was your, I'll, we'll talk about what our preachers talked about, and it's like, gosh. So, you, you know, I have to write things down. So, and I just want to let you know that we provide paper and pens. So what I want to encourage you, and this Anyway, this pastor's wife said one of the biggest encouragements a pastor could receive is not so much to go after, the, go after church and say, oh, I enjoy, you know, good message, pastor, thank you. But this uh, pastor once said, what really encourages him is to say, you know what, pastor, this is what I'm going to do with it. This week, this is what I'm going to do with it. And sometimes pastor gives us a challenge. He'll say, um, find somebody this week to encourage or... Find somebody this week to uh, call. or And and because I, I think it's more than just coming and listening. And it's like, what are we going to do with it? And that's what Paul is saying. He's giving them a list. Think upon these things. Do these things. Whatever is right. He's giving them a list. And he's saying, you go and you practice these things. You do it. And how are we going to practice if we don't make a, if we don't write this list down? So I just wanted to encourage you that, you know, if you need to write something down so you can tell somebody this is what my message was about this week, then do it. I mean, you know, we, we provide you with everything. And that thought just came to me as Richard was reading. So um, Webster's Dictionary's definition for firm, securely, solidly, solidly fixed in place, not weak or uncertain, not easily moved or disturbed. And this is the kind of what he's telling the church. Do not be weak. You be strong in what you believe, and you stand firm. And that's what he's saying. Now, after he instructs the people to do this, Paul needs to address a problem in the church. He goes right into after this, and he says, you know what? He says, stop him, and I'm going to tell you, we have a problem between these two sisters here. They, they, they aren't getting along. These two sisters, these are leaders. Euodia and Seneca, they're leaders in the church. They're not just somebody who comes on Sunday and just hangs out. They're leaders. They've helped him in the gospel. The gospel has furthered because of these two sisters working together. But now, word has gotten, these two sisters are not working together. They're not in harmony. They're just not at all. And Paul enlists the help. Okay, in my, in my um, standard, it says true companion. New American standard says true companion. But in the Greek, it uses yoke fella. And we have a picture of why he uses the word yoke. And the reason he's addressing, he doesn't say true companion, he says yoke fella. 
Because the person he's saying, he's saying it would be somebody that knows how to work together. It would be like him, it, it would be like him coming and saying, John, I want you to go and help these two sisters, John, because you know why? Because John learned how to work with a yoke. Because if you have a yoke on, if you go too fast, you're going to pull that one. If you don't go fast enough, you're going to, you know, you're going to push or pull. You have to learn how to work together with this yoke on. He specifically calls out somebody and says, because you've learned how to work with a yoke, I want you to help these sisters because these sisters are important. We need these sisters. Please help them work together. And I thought that was very interesting that, so I want to use that yoke fella is, is, do you see the more meaning than just true companion? There is definitely a more meaning there. So um, last month we, uh, we had a women's retreat and it was beautiful and we, we sang together and what I always remember is the harmony where there was no instruments, but when all, there was about 20 of us in a room, it was beautiful. It was heavenly. And, um, and even people like me who don't really have a voice or know how to keep a tune, I sounded great. When I was, oh man, I sounded good. I sounded, because you know why? Because 20 of us were in there and we were in harmony and the one who doesn't sing good didn't stand out because everybody else carried her. So that's the difference of being in harmony. The one who, you know, isn't quite where they should be, you don't really notice because they're in harmony with everybody. And um, that was my personal experience of being in harmony. So uh, J. Vernon McGeehan says, there will be different... How many of you heard of J. Vernon McGeehan? Oh, yeah, he's, a, he's one of those old-timers solid. There will be differences of opinion about many different things, but that should not separate two people with the mind of Christ. The world should be able to look at us with our differences, and yet we are one in Christ. We need to be examples of working our differences. I'm going to read that again. He's, quote, There will be differences of opinions about many different things. We have it. You have this many people, you're going to have differences, right? Without a doubt. You know, there's no question, or maybe no, folks. There is differences right here today. But with the mind of Christ, the world should be able to look at us. They should be able to say, look at that four-square church. With all those people there, and they have differences, but because of their mind in Christ, they can come together. Amen. That's what we want people to see. That's what we want people to see. So next we go to the verse, rejoice in the Lord always. This is a commandment to us Christians. It was so important that he, to Paul that he mentioned it twice. And remember, Paul's in prison. Where He's not only in prison. He's been there for two years. And before he got to prison, he was beaten. He was beaten almost to death. So here he is. He's sitting in prison. He's been there for two years. And in the, he's finishing up Philippians. And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord again. And again I say rejoice. And he says, I myself... I myself can find joy here, no matter what the day brings, no matter where I'm at, I am joyful. So he tells them, joy is something we cannot produce ourselves. 
It is the fruit of the Spirit. We find that in Galatians 5. You can try all you want to be joyful. We have establishments here, they have happy hours. You can go to happy hour to try to be happy. But happy hour only lasts so long. We can uh, watch a favorite program to be happy. We can do a lot of things to try to be happy and joyful. But folks, nothing works. Nothing works. Now, you can try everything you want, but you know what? The fruit of the Spirit is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And the only way you can be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, practice these things you've heard. Practice these things. Put them in your mind. Let your mind dwell on them. Dwell, dwell. Let them dwell on them. So um, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Um, and I like what the Amplified Bible says. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. So let your gentle spirit be known to all men. So that people should be able to see, when we walk in somewhere, people should be able to see. They should be able to see our unselfishness. They should be able to see our considerateness. Um, I was sharing uh, my message with some friends uh, a few, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and... Um, and they were telling me the story of a church. They had gone to a church function, and there was, um, all the tables were full, but at this one table, there was a new couple. At this one table. And, um, and that's the way it remained through the whole night. And I found that very sad, and she found that very sad. And she couldn't get up and leave because her husband was there, and it was just an awkward situation for her. But she kept hoping, you know, hoping. But all the other tables were full. And as I, as I was pondering this, and I was thinking, it really made my heart sad. And I said, with confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, I said, I believe that wouldn't happen at our church. I believe that people would get up and see that situation and go to that church. And I, I can say that because... I can say that a little bit because um, at our last potluck we had last month, we had a couple of homeless people just walk in and, you know, they wanted some food. And I said, well, if you stick around for church, after church we're going to have a potluck. We'll feed you and we'll be able to have some extra food. They stood around and I was watching. And my people here, they welcomed them. They sat next to them. They gathered with them. Those people did not sit at their own table. I mean, you know, they were dressed, they, were, they dressed pretty good, but you could tell they were homeless. And so when we were talking this story, I said, Lord, let's pray that we in a church, that people would see our unselfishness, they would see our considerateness. And Lord, I pray that whenever I'm in a situation like that and we see that, let's never let anybody sit at their own table. And I want to thank you that I feel I can say that with confidence about my brothers and sisters here, that I know there would be people that would get up in. But it just grieved my heart. Please, let us be, like he says, let them perceive and recognize our unselfishness, our considerateness. So that's what he's saying. So he tells him, and then he goes on to, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Freedom from anxiety is ours to claim. We can claim it. We can hold on to it. Once again, I bring it to your attention where Paul is. He's in prison. He's been there for two years. 
And he's telling them, now he's going into about, not only about joy, he's saying be anxious for nothing. How many of us could be in prison and not be anxious for nothing? I don't know if I could, tell you the truth. I don't know. I have to be honest. At this point, I don't know. But here he is. He's saying be anxious for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Anxious, dictionary says, ill at ease, insecure, jittery, jumpy, nervous, perturbed, uneasy, upset, uptight, and worried. So Philippians, um, as I was reading, Philippians were known for habitual worriers. And that's why Paul is saying this too. They're known. They, they worry all the time. They're habitually worrying. And so Paul urges them. And not only, so in his letter, when I was reading it, because Paul's my friend, so this is how he would tell them, you guys, stop that worrying. What's the matter with you? Stop it. Stop being, making it a habit in your life. Give it up. Throw it out. I don't want it to be a habit in your life. That's what Paul would say. You know, he's, he's their friend. He's saying, get rid of that habit. Bad habit. Get rid of it. And then, so he's telling them. He's saying, I want you to get rid of it. And so, um, and I know sometimes it's easier said, but you know why? You have to practice. Getting rid of worry and anxiety, it's something you have to practice. And, and, and something that um, you have to practice it over and over. And, and if I truly believe in the wisdom and sovereignty and power of our Heavenly Father, if I truly believe that my Father is all-powerful, then I have to believe him. I have to believe him, and I have to trust him. I have to say, here it is, Lord. I don't understand it, but I will trust you. So the word prayer is translated from a Greek word, speaks a prayer addressed to God as an act of worship and devotion. Gratitude to God accompanies all true prayer. So I think for me, when I started, because if you're a parent and a grandparent in this world, and you see media, as much as you fight worry and fear, you have to counteract it because there's so much junk going on out here. So I have to counteract it, and the only way I can counteract it is I lift up the Lord. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Yes, Lord, I'm believing you. The Lord has not given me a power of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. I have to counteract it with the word. I have to practice it. I have to put this in my head to replace that worry and anxiety. I have to get rid of it. And the only way I can get rid of it is through the word and saying and singing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 You have to be able to sing it. You have to be able to read it, and you have to be able to sing it, and then before you know it, you see these little wings fall into the ground of anxiety. So that's what you're encouraged to do. That's what that says, worship and devotion. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay? You do these things, you guard your heart. Now, he says guard, and you know, Paul was a military man. Paul's a military man. So he said, picture this is your heart. And here's a soldier walking back and forth. He's guarding your heart. And that's what he's talking about. This is your heart, and guard it. And the peace of God is like a guard. He's going back and forth. He's wanting to guard your heart. So you have to let him guard it. You can push him away, but he wants to guard that heart. So let him guard it. Okay. Paul makes a list 
of virtues. He makes a list of all these virtues. And he says, I want you to, um, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. He's, he's leaving you. He's, he's ending this. He's saying, here's a list. Here's a list of things I want you to do. And then he tells you, practice these things. The things you have seen, heard, learned in me, you've seen these. You've heard them. I've been sharing them with you. We've been sharing these over and over. Now what you need to do is you need to go and practice these things. And you know what, what practice means, right? Not just one day. Okay, I'm going to practice. I'm going to put it away. You guys who want to be good at pickleball, if you guys want to be good at baseball, if you want to be good at anything, you practice. Guitar, you know. Yeah, you keep practicing. You keep practicing. But, but you know, Paul, and I'm like Paul. Paul said to them, hey, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I fall. And I'm like that too. But what I can say is I serve a perfect God. He has a perfect plan. And if I follow it, I will become more like Christ. I will become more like him. And he's the one we want to be more like. And we'll, you know when we're going to get perfection? Is when we're up there in glory with him. That's when we'll get perfection. It's when we're there. But until then, he says, practice these things. And some people I know you keep practicing and practicing. It never, you never really quit because you can go to a different level, right? You know, you practice guitar, you can go to the next level. You, you know, you go to the next. So, um, so that's how he ends it. He ends it and he says, I want you to let your mind dwell on these things. And I want you to look. And you know, another thing, he was confident. He was confident enough to tell them, you know what? I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best I can to live for Jesus Christ. And I've been put in prison because I've been trying to do the best I can. And he's saying, I'm, not, I'm still working on it, but I am confident enough to come to you to tell you that you've seen these things in me. You've heard these things in me. You see them in my life. Take them out and do it. He has enough confidence to say that. But he's also saying, and I say the same thing, I am not perfect. I am not, but I try my hardest to follow this. Because I've read other books. I've read other things about there's tons of books on happiness and bringing joy to your life and thinking good thoughts and meditating on good thoughts. But look, you know what? It's only by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We can do that all we want. We can do that all we want. So, um, this, yes, so I just, Paul, what I'd like you to do is go home and listen, read it to yours. I myself, um, I have it on you version where it reads it out loud to you. And, um, and I love, because I love being read to. So I would encourage you to, to read Paul and listen to Paul. And even if you have a message, Listen to it in the message. And remember, this is a love letter, an encouraging letter, a letter to help you stay in the race, and a letter to make sure you stand firm. And about working in unity, 
I want to leave you with one more story. I feel working in unity is so, so important. It is, one of the, it is one of the areas where the enemy wants to come in. He will divide so quickly. Um, last month, uh, I mean, I had to apologize to the church because I, I, um, I offended somebody. And I knew I offended somebody. When I went home that Sunday, I knew I offended somebody. And it, I, I called that person right away. And I said, could you please forgive me? I, I offended you, and we talked it through. Because you know, folks, that is where the enemy wants to come in. We're mature Christians. The right thing, biblically, what is it? We need to go to that person, don't we? And if we've wronged somebody, we need to say, I'm sorry. Right. You know, so let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word of encouragement. I thank you for your word of hope, unity, and love, Lord, and to put on the mind of Christ. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is our lifeline. Your word is our life manual, Father. Father, help us to get into your word. I encourage the word to each other, Lord. Father, unity, unity is what your hearts cry. Love one another, for I have loved you. Father, I pray that we would be united in your love. I pray we would be united through the bond of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us work out our differences. Lord, help us be open and, and mature enough to come to each other. And Lord, I love you, Lord. I encourage my brothers and sisters to love you the way you want us to love you, Father. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. Help us to be the difference in this world, Father. We love you, Jesus, and we give you all glory, honor, and praise. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for my brothers and sisters when they encourage me to stay in the race, when they take my hand and say, we're almost there, Debbie. We're almost there. So, Lord, help us encourage one another. We give you all glory, honor, and praise, Father. In Jesus' precious, wonderful name.